Hey guys, and welcome to Gameplay Radio here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am your host, as always, Aaron, here in uh, my pseudo studio with um, an incredible guest, Laura Simpson. Say hi, Laura. Hello, hi. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, oh my God, my listeners, I am so excited to have Laura be with me today. Uh, Laura is a... Um, user experience designer and a game designer based out of New York City. Uh, her game design press is Sweet Potato Press, um, which is a creative studio that focuses on analog games, you know, like tabletop RPGs, you know, what we play all the time here. Um, and uh, she is also the creator through Sweet Potato Games, uh, Companion's Tale, the indie groundbreaker game of the year so um let me say congratulations again to start <laughs> so thank congratulations so yeah <laughs> thank you thank you so much um yeah it was uh, really excited about it uh it's a huge honor i was um nominated with some other amazing designers and uh i feel really um uh, like, you know, uh, it, it feels like it's a huge honor and I feel really seen by, uh, my community of independent game designers. Um, and it's something that, you know, really means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, it was, it, was this the first time that you've won an award for one of your games or? <laughs> yes, this yeah. is, well, this, this is my, um, I've been nominated for, um, there's another award called the Ennies. It's, yeah. um, mm -hmm. so, uh, the previous year campaign sale was nominated, uh, for best product and, um, another category. <laughs> <laughs> it feels, it feels like this year has lasted so long that something that just happened last summer. It's just like, Oh yeah, sure. Time makes no sense. It's fine. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I, it was a huge honor to be nominated. Um, and uh, this year, I feel super honored that the judges selected me. Um, yeah. It, with Annie's being nominated itself, huge honor. You're, they get so many submissions. Um, and it's a much bigger field uh, in, in terms of uh, you're, you're in competition with huge games. Um, whereas uh, mm -hmm. Indie Groundbreakers, it's... Um, it's still it's, a, it's still a big field, but um, in this case, often these it's a it feels a lot more intimate, um, and sure. it feels like I'm uh, I, I'm getting recognition from my direct peers, people that I create and and like we we play test each other's games. We like it's a it's a close knit community, uh, mm -hmm. so it's to me it's it kind of magnifies the feeling of oh wow I, I feel so honored that you would award this to me. Um, it feels like a huge recognition for a game that I've, I've really poured a lot of, um, like a lot of time and effort, um, sweating all the details. And, uh, so that it was really meaningful. Yeah. It's like being, um, uh, welcomed like again into the community, like with like uproarious applause. Uh, yes. so I can only imagine <laughs> how incredible that is. Um, how long have you been in the indie gamer space to begin with? Oh man. Um, so as a designer, I, I mean, my, oh man, my first like game, I would say, mm, I, I was in art school at one point and I, 
I mm-hmm. made a game about being in art school and that was like <laughs> in 2007 and I, I just kind of set it aside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Um, then I, I started doing, um, around 20, the, like 2010. So I, like, I started going to these like little game jams called game, uh, game chef, game chef, uh, where you would, um, yeah. You'd be given some ingredients and then you'd hack together a game very quickly. <laughs> um, so like I, I did uh, at least one of those. And then later on uh, in 2012, I went to my very first Metatopia. It's a, it, it is basically where indie gamers come to play test their games. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the premier conferences for game designers to show up with a game that is in various states of development. Yeah. Um, and you, you get feedback from your fellow designers, uh, including some really big names in indie game design. So mm. that's, uh, it's a really huge opportunity to be, um, to get really great feedback from your peers and also leaders in, uh, industry. Um, so I went to my very first one, uh, right after, um, uh, Hurricane Sandy. It was like everything was a mess. I didn't want to oh, go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to leave the city right now. Sure. But it was the best decision uh, that I made as a designer to go because it, it really gave me opportunity to, to like really just be in the environment. Um, the pressure was low because everyone was there because they really wanted absolutely to make it for that event sure (laughs) yeah in that kind of that kind of a situation you would have to be committed yeah yeah so um after like that was a huge turning point so 2013 i i made like the very first version of campaign sales like kind of in the alpha state um just kind of a few ideas that kind of stuck together and I, I brought it to Metatopia, and then I just started intensely working on it over the next few years. Um, mm. uh, the gameplay really got solidified, and in uh, 2017, I did a Kickstarter. Um, we we funded like that Solid. same day, just like the same the, day. Wow, yeah, same day. That's awesome. Uh, within 24 hours, less than 24 hours. And then from there, I, cause at first I thought, oh, I'm going to have to do a uh, really expensive press, uh, stateside, limited run, mm-hmm. um, just because I, the last thing you want to do is be a game designer who loses money on their self published game. Um, yeah. It, it's you wind up staring at your stock with reproach, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was absolutely yeah. was very successful. Um, I was able to print a much larger run than just what my backers bought, um, and also I was able to expand the game. So um, I, when I started out, there was a core gameplay, and it's it is it's really fun. Mm-hmm. I, if, if I allowed to say it's really fun. Okay. I, I, you know, if you, if, I would hope that you like the thing that you made. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> so I was able to take the core gameplay and expand it into um, all these different variants. There's so many different ways to play um, and different ways to explore uh, the idea of like of a hero and and what is you know, what does it mean to yeah. be a companion of a hero and just kind of play in different worlds. So I, I feel really fortunate about that. My backers really, um, they afforded me that opportunity to go deeper 
uh, to make all these different variants, to incorporate some different types of theme cards, um, some new companion cards. And there's some people, uh, they, excuse me, they contributed uh, variants to the game, but also their faces. So mm, it's yeah. a huge. Oh, it's gonna, it's gorgeous. Uh, for for those of us who are um, listening and are not quite sure what game we're talking about yet, uh, you will. Don't worry. You definitely will. Um, it's th- to give a brief kind of overview of the game that uh, Lara has created and won an award for, and also like is going to be um, fantastically uh, playing with me today. It's essentially it's a game where you are. Uh, a group of people um, in a fantasy world telling the story of a hero from people outside of the hero's perspective. Um, and at the same time, you're creating the world that the hero is living in. So there is a map, map making quality to it. Um, but how, how did you even like get inspired to make this kind of a game? You know, like there are uh, tons of ways to tell stories, um, but like why this one in particular, especially if you're in a space with a huge community where people are just constantly um, coming up with all of these other ideas. Like what made this stand out to you? Um, so around that time that I, uh, that I started sketching out the idea for Payne's Tale, I was, um, I was reading N.K. Jameson. Uh, she's a speculative fiction yes, author. I just finished her. I just finished the fifth season like two days ago. Um, and I think I laid on the floor and yelled about how amazing it was that it existed. So, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. at the time being, I, I just read through, um, so right when I started, I read through the hundred thousand kingdoms and there was something about it, how she like kind of, it's, uh, it's one of her earlier trilogies and it's, it kind of has this, um, this feeling about it where, and I think that it it goes throughout uh, like her other books in Cleaning the Fifth Season, where you have mm-hmm. a, you have this idea of how um, this culture got here. There's she really imbues us a feeling of this is how we got here. This is how you could kind of start feeling. Oh, these are some of the decisions that are made. These are some of the inequalities in this society, and that's why it skews this way. And um, I also uh, had. Uh, previously read uh, Patrick Rothfuss's um, in The Name of the Wind, where that's yeah. even more so. So in, in those cases mm-hmm. where you have this really um, living and breathing culture, and I thought, oh, that's really interesting and, and engaging because um, sometimes you'll see heroes come out with something, and it, it just feels like some type of generic like fantasy background. And yeah. you can kind of, you know, the tropes that you're, you kind of know what it is, but I wanted to really dig deeper. Kingdoms, um, magic. Fire, yeah. yeah. Dragons have fire, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, instead I want something that's more of like, well, okay, let's, let's get our hands a little bit more dirty. I, I want to know more about this. I want to know, like, so you do this, uh, like, if, if you have something that happens, there's a reason why. There's reasons why cultures evolve in, and do certain things. There's yeah. reasons why, like, there's power structures, there's, um, there's, a culture that you can't just like just hand wave and say magic. So I wanted to <laughs> like allow uh, players to create that. Um, I also there's another game designer, uh, Avery Alder, who made uh, a quiet year. It's another 
map making game. Um, where it's driven by cards. Yeah, it's a okay. post apocalyptic like community game, and it's very engaging and engrossing in a way that. This is, you know, there's a fair amount of post-apocalyptic fiction that is like that glamorizes a loader, but this mm-hmm. is about like a community and kind of like the like a little bit of the fraught struggles of that community and them in, yeah. being in this particular space and and the players defining it as they go along. So with that was like a huge influence. Just like a, a I kept thinking about it, like, well, this is really interesting. I loved I, um, my. Um, my husband and I, like, he's the other half of Super Potato Press, uh, so he's a game designer as well. Um, when we were engaged, we would uh, take trips out to North Jersey, and we would just play the game intensely with each other. So it's... Oh, uh, awesome. It can, you know, it has a different feeling than when you play with your friends, and, and um, because instead of, like, often having... Um, it's more intimate. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we would have this particular joy when uh, a project in the game would get completed because it would be something right. we built together. And yeah. I, I wanted to bring a lot of that into um, companions there where it's uh, where these companions, uh, when I spend time to, like trying to define, okay, who is a companion? Who do we want to include? So you have those intimate uh, uh, relationships where, so, you know, uh, between the companion and the um, and the hero, but then you also have more complex relationships and fraught relationships. So I I wanted to kind of capture. There's so many different ways to be a companion to a hero, mm-hmm. and so many ways you could enter that. And then I want to center it on the companion's point of view. So uh, yeah, to kind of step away from all those other uh, influences. Because in, in those other influences, you're centered on the hero. In this case, I wanted to take a step back and have uh, the players inhabit the companions. And, and they, like, you will learn who the hero is through what the companions say the hero is. So the hero winds up being kind of uh, maybe feeling like a different sort of person because it reflects how the hero is how everyone is understood as a different person, depending on who's looking at them. Mm -hmm. So, so it, I mean, it sounds like you were really inspired to make this by uh, the idea of world building and the idea of community in world building too. Yeah. 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 Um, It's a big part of like the prologue is where uh, everything starts and Mm -hmm. it, and I've added to it, but also it's kind of become like the foundation where uh, that solidified very quickly in terms yeah. of this is okay. This is how we build our world and everyone will contribute to it. Um, and one of the key elements in the game. Uh, so as we talk about how the hero seen differently and how people are building, it's not built on consensus. I, I want to allow people to, um, discreet by laying out their facts in the game, but mm-hmm. without the, no one is going to, you will not have someone consents to, um, what you're, what you've done because you have full autonomy over what your companion has done. Um, when you're in, in that extends to other roles. Um, yeah. So it's, there's a, a lot of, uh, 
Because often in role playing games, when there's some type of decision that's going on, there's often a mm-hmm. lot of consensus at play, and that has like a, oh a kind of a yeah. meta effect, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it really does. So I just, sorry, I just, I had like a visceral effect from playing like uh, other Dungeons and Dragons games like privately and uh, trying to get a group to make a decision. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) It's just, it's exhausting. I mean, especially when, um, and also, like, as you're trying to argue, like, we're trying to argue in character, but then sometimes, like, feelings get hurt outside of character anyway, because right. it's like, wait, why are you always saying no to me? Like, what's happening here? Like, it's just constant. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel so that. I feel that I, really strongly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's something that um, I, I, in this game, I thought, no, this is not about consensus. This is, this is about, it's it's about you having that autonomy when you're a companion or um, when you're a witness and you're acting as a person on the street, just describing something that's happening. Yeah. Uh, you don't have someone run over to you and say, no, we're going to agree on these exact facts. It's that it's uh, you're going to be able to say your piece. And, and that's, um, that's something that I really value in the game. It creates mm. like a little bit of tension. Uh, Cause sometimes players like, like they'll have, to have a moment where they're like, what you're disagreeing with something I tried to establish and, and that's fine. It's, it's fine because they are different people. You're not necessarily going to get everyone to agree. Uh, but, sure. You know, it's the story uh, changes with the way that people tell it, how each person yes. tells it. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's that's and, really, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it, it's really fun for uh, laying down history because you have mm-hmm. uh, like often you have, like it, just to kind of reflect our own world, you'll have a decision of like this is what our history is, and it 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 might be right, but it, in this case, it will you can every perspective that is at the table is able to oh, yeah. say this is what happened here related to this is- issue. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, um, I we should definitely get into it so that we can enjoy it as well with whatever time we have left. So very, very exciting. Um, but before we dive into um, that, I do have to do a quick on your read for the station. So let's do that thing and then we'll get into the gaming. All right. Friends, COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now, and Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. With most of our revenue streams evaporated, we need your help. Uh, We realize you may be hurting too, but if you can afford a small donation, it would go a long way toward helping us stay on the air. There are three ways you can help. First, you can give a one-time or monthly donation by going to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. There you'll find some great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag we'd like to send you to say thanks. You can also use your phone to text RFB give 5 that's the number 5, to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet on your donation. Finally, if you absolutely have to shop on Amazon, you have no choice in the matter. Uh, Put their dollars to work for us by going to Amazon.com slash smile and registering Radio Free Brooklyn as the nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to Radio Free Brooklyn and it will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all our listeners health and happiness as we weather this storm together. Um, Also, if you end up finding yourselves out and away from your house, 
for some reason, hopefully with a mask on, um, and you want to take Radio Free Brooklyn on the go, uh, you could do that by downloading our free mobile app for iPhone or Android available on any app store that you wish to use. So uh, you don't even have to leave Radio Free Brooklyn behind when you leave the house. Um, great. <laughs> with those out of the way, let's get into um, a bit of game. So as we've been talking about for the past like 20 minutes, um, we are going to be playing Companion's Tale, Laura Simpson's game. Um, I guess, and we kind of already explained a little bit of how, of like what it is that we're essentially going to be taking on the roles of different characters in the world that we are creating together. Um, and then we are going to be telling the story of this hero in three acts. Uh, we're gonna have to make them very quick acts, but we're going to make them acts. Um, and while we're doing this, we're also going to be making a map of the world that we're living in. Now, of course, it'll be very difficult for us to uh, describe the map that we're making, so I highly encourage you to go to uh, my Twitter, that's at Erin is a bird, E-R-Y-N is a bird, and uh, find the map when I upload it there after the show airs live. Um, but you can also go, you can just find the Gameplay Radio um, Twitter too, that's Gameplay RFB, uh, and that's probably easier for you to find and remember than whatever the hell my private one is. Okay, um, but what we're going to be doing is a lot of different stuff. We're going to be uh, making maps and drawing cards, but because there are two of us, there will only be two companions, we will each hold on to our companion role and develop those as we go. Um, and I feel like this game is best explained as we do it. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm getting nods. <laughs> um, so I think we should just try to get on into it. So the first thing we need to do then is to create the, pro do the prologue, which is the world we inhabit. Yes. Um, so uh, in the prologue, we have some questions. So we'll take turns answering those questions and drawing onto our map our okay. answers. Um, some of these questions, you choose one or the other. So, um, and would you like to answer the first prologue question? Sure. Awesome. Okay. So the first question I am answering here yeah. is, what is the most prominent physical feature of our lands? Here we go. I'm going to say the most prominent physical feature of our land is this, um, it's this massive lake. No one knows where the water feeds from or where it feeds out to, but it is uh, endlessly deep. Okay. And what, and there's a second part to that first question. What virtue does it metaphorically represent? Oh, <laughs> what virtue does it metaphorically represent? Um, the deep well of emotion and information that everyone holds just below the surface. Awesome. And I need to draw this now too, right? Yeah. It's a lake. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love symbolic drawing. It's uh, one of my favorite things. Yeah, abstract. You like abstract? I do. I do. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, next one. So I choose one of the, uh, these two questions. Uh, our spiritual beliefs promise prosperity. What must we do to become prosperous? What is taboo? To become prosperous, uh, I think that as a tie into the lake, people need to 
they need to constantly be looking deeper. So anything,、uh, what's taboo is just a shallow understanding of people. So,、uh, mm. so your people will chide you for look, just like looking at the surface, looking at something that's obvious. Children are often praised when they are very observant. Or、uh, sometimes with the appearance of yeah. observance. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. I'm not sure all kids are very like good at it, but you know they like understand that it needs to happen. So you know they're really figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot. I'm trying, <laughs> but、uh, you're like, doing great.、I'm、trying to look inside. Yeah.、Uh, so uh, maybe, yeah. So I think that that's really that's、uh, if if you if you're observant then. Um, like prosperity will come to you.、Mm-hmm. So the next set、uh, are for you. Yeah. Okay. Great. Let's let's see what we got here. So we have to choose one of these questions. I'm going to I'm going to answer the second question. The name one group that is traditionally wealthy in our society, and name another who has supplanted them recently. I am going to say that there is a group of people called the. We'll call them the Earthwalkers, and they are people who、um, spend most of their time underground mining the resources that are there. And they have these also fantastic utopian cities that are built like just below the surface of the ground too.、Um, and a group that has recently、um, supplanted them are. The group, <laughs> the group of people who live in the mountains, which are called、uh, the Diamonders. Why not? Okay, so、yeah. I guess I should draw a couple of different things here.、Um, okay, next questions, I guess. Yeah.、Uh, so these are the last ones for the prologue.、Um, <clears throat> what is the price of magic? Who usually wields it? Or What new technology could be found in every home? What members of society has it displaced?、Mm. Like these wind up becoming a really big split between, like whether you know magic in society versus like technology, which could you know seriously, yeah. I I enjoy prices for magic. Nothing's free.、Um, so also magic, magic, right?、Uh, Like the, the price of magic for、uh, the people here, I think that in some ways there、um, there's a bit of darkness that falls on them, like a like it's a bit of a metaphysical thing, but it, it's also like there's a physical like withering. So it, it, magic users are very recognizable, but also. The like this veil of of darkness kind of makes them a little bit a, a little unnerving to be around. I would say, you know. So they they seem a little undead. The more you use magic, the more undead you look. Yeah, and、wow. I think yeah, I think that it's it's something that has a very direct, noticeable price. And I think that the people that wield it are people that that already feel that they are outside of society.、Uh, people who are down on their luck. Who feel alone and already with、uh, nothing to lose? People with yeah, nothing with, to lose. Yeah, people with nothing to lose. People who taking on the price of magic couldn't possibly make their life much more worse. 
Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, now to draw that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did this one to yourself, so. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I see it. Okay. Though. There we go. Yeah. Right. God. Yeah. There you go. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so now we start yeah. the acts, right? Yes, we do. And since it's the two of us, this is the duet variant. So yes. um, we'll, we will be going back and forth, passing play back and forth. Um, we will. Uh, let's see. So we have uh, so we've act one, and that kicks off of a historian phase. So we are going to... Um, right, and this so, is called the hero's genesis. Yes. We'll, we'll just randomly select one theme card and uh, both of us will share it and what we'll do is we'll describe a historical event inspired by that theme card and we'll draw an interpretation of this description on the map when, as each one of us takes a turn. Okay. Um, and a key thing to know is that uh, we choose different parts of the map. So these are different events, different parts of the map. Sure. And they don't involve the hero. Okay, great. Yes. So, because we're not obviously playing in person, we're going to be using a digital deck, um, which our listeners have heard happen before, uh, where essentially we've made a spreadsheet of all the different card options, and we're going to be rolling dice in order to choose uh, which cards we're drawing. So, we will do that. Do you want to do the first round of Historian? Yeah, sure. Uh, So, let's see. Okay, 22. Okay, Rescue. Okay, so this card, uh, its theme is Rescue. And it says, Once a prince was locked in a faraway tower. That's our prompt. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, a long ways ago, um, there was over kind of at the edge of the world where we don't really go that often there was a, a, a situation there was a prince amongst our people that was taken negotiations fell apart a rescue party was summoned one small wrinkle in in the search was there were these towers and there were several of them but none of them had stairs up, no, no way of knowing. And so we searched and searched and searched until we found our friends. After that, nobody goes over there anymore. We, you don't, we don't visit. That. Yeah, we, yeah, we do not. <laughs> not with those towers. It took us forever. No, fuck those guys. So and it's, it's not my turn to roll. It is now my turn to... <laughs> To, to share a historical event inspired by the rescue theme. During the time that the prince was locked in the faraway tower, his parents didn't want anyone to know. They tried to, for the first little while, pretend that the prince wasn't gone because they didn't want to admit that they'd fucked up. So they hired a man to masquerade as their prince and this man turned out to be astonishing, like, really, really good at his job. Like, even better at being a prince than the actual prince was. And this fake prince did so much good that the city that they lived in doubled in size because everyone wanted to go and live where this prince was. 
And uh, when the actual prince returned again, no one really wanted him. And it stopped becoming a monarchy. <laughs> That's what my brain created, you know? <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's the end of uh, the historian phase, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So uh, let's do that. We have a new act structure. So round one, uh, player one will start as the companion. The player, then player two will be a witness. Player one will be the lore keeper. Then player two will be the companion. Player one will be the witness. And player two will be the lore keeper. And that yeah, will be our we'll, first act. We'll kind of we'll go around. Through. Perfect. Yeah. 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 yeah we could do Second that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. You want me to be a companion first? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in that case, I guess I should draw two companion cards. Okay. So I drew, quote unquote, drew, I drew the mercenary and arrival. Oh. I like both of these. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick the mercenary. Uh, in the description of the mercenary, it says, When you met the hero, you fought for coin, but you would later find a greater purpose. Okay. And then I need to pick a face card so oh, I know what it will yeah. look like. Mm, oh, we should pick a theme card. Oh, um, theme cards before the face? Yeah. It, it usually, like, then you could kind of start thinking of what your story is, and then the face card just kind of, like, just clicks everything into place. Okay. Um, All right. Okay. Um, theme cards then. Theme cards first. So the two cards I chose were, uh, once a great vengeance was wreaked and wrecked, wreaked and affect many. Um, and I got conquest, which is one of two things, which is either once an invader from afar came into our land or once our banners were raised in foreign lands. So either we are conquested or we conquest. Um, yeah, I kind of want to pick vengeance and now I have to draw a face card. Oh, interesting. I got a, a woman with, like, brown hair kind of pulled back into, like, braids with, like, this kind of white kind of, like, side helmet, like, face helmet on. She has, like, a, like a black strap over her nose and white gloves. And she's wearing, like, chain mail. And, yeah. And so now I need to tell a story about this mercenary, so. I come from one of the smaller Earthwalker villages. But there was a great betrayal between between the Earthwalkers and the Diamonders. Uh, much like a Romeo and Juliet story, two of the different classes fell in love. And in the dispute between them, they both died. And my village was essentially basically hit enough until it started to collapse in on itself. And... All its people um, displaced, including me. Um, I became a mercenary in order to provide money for my family. I was on a protection job, and usually I don't ask who my employer is because I prefer not to know. When um, we came across the the great hero who actually attacked my employer who I was on the road with protecting them and we fought. Yes, they they won against me for sure, but um, they told me that day that I should think a little bit more about the way that I do things and for some reason being threatened in that manner and having known completely that I would not survive had they not decided I was worth something made me think. 
uh, while you were telling the story, I was trying to draw. Uh, so I was actually at the photographer. No, no, it's good. Okay. Uh, I uh, so I was sketching out interpretation of um, of Aaron's story of this mercenary. Alrighty. Yeah. Um, and so now, as Mike, I'll be the witness. And as a witness, uh, what I do is um, I just kind of nudge other events in the world forward. So I'll look somewhere else in the map, away from uh, the, the story with the hero, away from the companions, and just try and move something else uh, forward in the world. Uh, it, there's that town, or well, a city now, with, from this Sokin's phase earlier, the city that is no longer a uh, monarchy. So they were having their elections, because they're no longer a monarchy, right? They have elections. And there was a bit of a ruckus, because someone from the old royal family sought to interrupt in the elections. Everyone's talking about it. So now, Erin gets go, and she's a lorekeeper. So, war keepers, what they do is they create culture as part of the world, and briefly describe a bit of lore that describes some of the culture that's going on in the broader world. Uh, it can be song, poetry, murals, fables. It can be slangs, myths, cultural movements, sports, games. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, there is an annual carpenters competition for people to. Create different kind of themes, like things, like a ship that will <laughs> sail on water and land, you know, and like just that kind of kind of craftiness. And uh, magic is often allowed in those sports, although there's a lot of contention about how the how it can be used. And it's just like that. But yeah, this is like a thing that happens every year. Okay. Uh... Alright, so I get to create my companion. Let's see. Mentor. Uh, you guided the hero at some one point in time. What lessons did you impart? And thirteen Oracle. Only be a mentor. Then I need to select uh thirty-two thirty-four for um themes. So oath and twenty four hunger. Oh. Once a dangerous promise was kept. I'm gonna take oath. Okay. Oh, I have to get my face. Let's get my face. Um, yeah, yeah. You need a face. Okay. Uh, so I'm a woman with. So my face looks like I'm a woman with kind of like um, medium tan skin, um, shortish brown hair, uh, cut with like a a dashing part. Um, she's <laughs> smiling. She's very confident. Um, I have various kind of like semi-cut stones around my neck in kind of a chunky geode-like necklace. Uh, I'm wearing kind of these leather shoulder pads and a like sweeping poppy-colored robe. There are some definite magic vibes going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Magic, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so I got magic. Okay, continue. (laughs) (laughs) When I met the hero, I was in quite the pickle. Normally, magic users are people the lowest of the low. They've got nothing else going on. And me, I'm the daughter of a prosperous group. I have so much to look forward to. Uh, I have a bright future ahead of me, a prominent place 
except for this one thing. I really am into magic. <laughs> and when I was younger, I, I had a, a good friend who I promised we would be inseparable. And I take my promises seriously. When I met the hero, I was leaving the Diamond Mountain and heading towards the swamp area where the like a lot of the magic users are. And I almost lost my nerve. It's nigh unheard of for someone like myself to leave, but the hero walked with me. And I told the hero what I knew, and the hero listened with such a depth that I've never, I've never experienced before. At that moment, when I was about to, as my parents would say, throw my life away, I realized that maybe there are things that I could share. I don't have to be the only person who chooses what they care about. And I taught everything, still teach everything that I know of diameters. But my parents did write me out of the will. Awesome. I'm, I'm drawing a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, so now it's my turn to be a witness. So I'm just going to quickly further one of the other stories that we have created thus far. So I'm going to say the towers that the prince was captured in were left abandoned. But then something moved in. We're not really sure what it is, but we've been hearing... Well, people have been seeing, like, lights in the towers at night. That, that's the rumor. And uh, I so I have a lore keeper turn. Every year, uh, on the longest day of the year, people take uh, rafts and they push them out onto the Grand Lake. And it's a day of diving into the lake and bringing things up. Sometimes there's seafood that's fished, uh, it's fresh. Um, and at night there's lights and fireworks. It's just an entire festival, like from dawn till moonlight. It has like a little bit of a funny name, like the uh, Lake Light Festival. Uh, so to close out um, Act 1, we do a biography phase. So what we do is uh, we talk about each other's um, companions and it's an opportunity to be a little bit scandalous. It doesn't have to be entirely true. Um, think of it as unauthorized biographies <laughs> or a gossip bag. Uh, all right, I'm going to say that uh, the mentor has a bit of a gambling problem. <laughs> but it's not it's not just that they uh are are bad at gambling it's that they will use their magic and their previous status to kind of con con men into uh winning all of into getting all of their money <laughs> that's hilarious I love it. Uh, <laughs> let's see um I heard that the mercenary didn't get bested by the hero, but instead tried to switch sides and get paid by the hero. It wasn't a shock of the conscience. It was a shock of the pocketbook. Drama. <laughs> calling, calling me out. Okay. <laughs> Fun. All right. So I guess yeah. we did the biographer phase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I guess we should try to get through some of the he the hero's rise. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so um, 
we, uh, since we're playing duet, um, uh, we've used the companions, so we will still have these same companions. But um, when we have our turn for the companion, we could choose to um, select a new companion card and kind of talk about how the companion has changed from who they were to, into this new um, type of companion, if yeah. we'd like to. I, I, when I read those rules, I thought they sounded super duper cool. So. Uh, I'm about it. Um, but also, while we're do- while we're doing these, we're also going to be telling the story of the hero and how mm-hmm. they, you know, have emerged and started doing heroic acts and entering her- early conflicts, et cetera, et cetera. So um, uh, we kick this off with a historian phase. So I can uh, I'll just uh, generate a card. Oh, disorder. So uh, the text is: Once the people revolted against the laws of the land, or once the people discarded propriety and social ritual. I could see both of them in the society we're creating, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do a little bit of uh, discarding of propriety and social ritual. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Um, there's an area that's a little bit far away. It's like on the other side of the swamp. Uh, and it's a beautiful coastland. And so usually, Ooh. like for a while, they had a very rigid society because it was, it was all about just pulling the bounty from the ocean. Until one day, they were going through a hard time. There was like some type of problem with a, a particular group of shellfish. And the, the harvest was light and people suffered mightily. And the group of young people who had just started felt a bleakness in their hearts and they bowed. They dropped their uh, nets and marched north. And on that day, from that day to the next five years, the coastline people were, they lost a generation. It took five years of careful negotiations and they broke from what their uh, parents did. And uh, at that day, they all changed their last names from what their parents had done and adopted uh, names of elements of the land. So you might have meet someone who calls themselves Rainbow Welkshell because they no longer identify with what they do, but instead identify with the uh, wild nature of, of the world that surrounds them. That's cool. And so now you get to draw that, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 enjoy that. Um Thank you. Okay. Uh so Oh no. <laughs> hey, special unorthodox side note here from future Aaron who is currently editing the episode that you're listening to on air right now. Wow, how crazy is this pandemic? Um side note here that around this time uh the audio kind of cut out a little bit, so um, it's gonna the quality is gonna go down a smidgen just because we had to adjust what mics we were using. Um, so apologies about that, but let's get back to the game. So in the Great Frost Plains to the south, there is a tradition in the in the in the civilizations of those that live nearby to go deep into the frost plains and leave an offering of foods or fruits or textiles or something whenever they are with child in the hopes of having of that child having like a prosperous life. 
But then someone, uh, some very uh, curious, uh, young, just adult uh, woman was like a little curious about what happened to all those goods. And she went out there and found out that all the goods were being taken by a different group of people who lived on the other side of the Frost Plains who thought that they were being gifted offerings as like a sign that they were doing good. And uh, this woman who discovered it was like, well, this is entirely ridiculous. And so she brokered um, an actual conversation between the two uh, societies on other sides of the Frost Plains. I bet they're very warm since they're near the Frost Plains. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the warmest place in the entire world, obviously. All right, now let's begin the actual story rounds. Yes. I'm kind of interested in drawing a new companion card, because I just want to see what that's going to be like. It's, yeah. It's kind of both change who you are. Right, yeah. And I mean, people, people change who they are, like, all the time, so. All right, I got 13 and a 6, so I can choose between an oracle or a protege. Gotta be a protege, you know, that makes the most sense, really. Yeah, so protege, and then I guess I need to pick a new theme. Uh, yep. Yeah, okay, so let's draw some themes. Uh, Harbinger, which is once the candles burned violent for a moment, revealing a hidden horror, or once the sky turned green and purple, like shattered Alexandrite, or justice. I'm gonna choose Harbinger, because that seems kind of fun. And I'll choose, I'll choose uh, Once the Candles Burned Violet for a moment, revealing a hidden horror. So, after I met the hero um, the first time, I realized that I could have been doing everything wrong, and I decided to follow the hero and make myself their protege, and try to learn all I could, because clearly I knew nothing of the world. But there was... A moment during our travels where we uh, stopped in a um, a temple to uh, the deep waters, and while we were there, well, the candles <laughs> burned violet for a moment, and revealed revealed a, a, a hidden horror. It was this ultraviolet thing in the sky. But it was somehow also a reflection of the the waters below in the lake, and it just... I saw it, and I tried to describe it to the hero, and the hero was also concerned, and I wondered... I, I wondered what it meant for our world if what was below was above, too. Oh, wait, I had have that. <laughs> I was listening, mm -hmm. and I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh. Oh no, you gotta draw it. Yeah. On the ice plane, there's something strange. I like, on the darkest day of the year, sit out and look out at the ice. It's very peaceful, nobody's bothering me. But this year, there was something, there was a light coming from below the ice. I've never seen it before. My grandmother hasn't seen it. Her grandmother hasn't seen it. No one has ever seen it before. I did. It was a foul creep. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, lore. It's not exactly theater, but it is a kind of performance art where you have a conversation with somebody, but you use as few words as possible. That means that people have to 
kind of read into the deeper meaning of what you're saying. Um, so it's kind of like this kind of scale um, that is often put into um, practice in plays or kind of kind of games that children play with each other or like adults play with each other where they kind of almost kind of like language like wordplay kind of a thing. Okay, there we go. All right, so time for my companion. And so I'd like to draw another playing card. See how my companion has changed. Hell yeah. Okay, 16, entwined. Ooh. You and the hero are entwined by fate, born under the same star in the same season, crossing paths many times, and yet your fates diverge. Yeah. Outsider, you're not from around here. Well, I don't feel like that quite fits. So I will go with entwined. Telling you a story. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Renewal and creation. So time has passed. Uh, Hero and I, we've stayed in touch. And at a certain point, I've gone from being a mentor figure to two people who seemingly are intertwined. We, we would cross paths as I grew deeper in my knowledge of magic. The hero's renown grew, and we would find ourselves at the same place. We would aid each other in ways that I, I didn't always see. But one day, I was walking in the swamp where other magic users usually uh, forced to be, and I had a great problem. My own hands already have become gnarled as I've grown in my ability. And there is a uneasy feeling about me. But the hero and I, we found ourselves in the same space once again. I asked for their aid. That night, there were great lights that went off. And before I stepped into the center of the swamp, and felt the mud drag me down. And uh, I felt my skin harden and my awareness expand. I gave the hero my amethyst necklace because I knew that tomorrow when the swamps changed and I am changed, the hero would need it, whereas I was not. The sun rose and I smelled the most beautiful flowers that never bloomed before. And I turned my face and I still feel the hills whenever they're nearby. Okay, uh, witness time. You know, I heard that if you are passing through the old Earthwalker territories at a certain time of night, you will see people from those societies like marching as if they don't really know where they're going, like kind of zombie-like but not zombies, like walking with a weirdly intense purpose towards the mountains where the diamonders live, as if they're being drawn by a beacon or something. Now onto your lore round. So there's a game that children play where uh, if usually if they have a hill or even a, a heavy stack of leaves, or some type of uneven ground where they play Diamond on the Hill. One kid that's on the hill and other kids are at the bottom and they try to climb up while the kid's back is turned. And he turns around and they pop him on the head, say, no, Diamond, no, Diamond, and then turns their back 
and the children that I bopped in the head, they're out. This is controversial in some places. Okay, great. Now it's time for the biographer rant. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. You know about that protege that follows the hero around? What if I told you that the protege isn't merely following around the hero? What if I told you that the protege really was hired by the hero? It's, I'm telling you, it's the whole thing. It's, it's a scam. It's this isn't. <laughs> I think there's another angle that we we're not talking about it, but I think it, we need to really cover all the angles. Well, you know something that's been said about the entwines. The entwined fancies themselves, fancies herself, the hero's beloved, even if the hero doesn't know it yet. It's 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 almost too coincidental, right? That they keep meeting. Like the entwined has gotta be like following the hero around and making these meet cutes happen. You know what I mean? It can't be a coincidence. Mustache talk, real fuckery. <laughs> you know, just just a little bit of pretending. It's fine. No okay. Uh, I really, I really would love to do a uh, an act three, um, the hero's apex. But I think maybe if you're all right with it, because uh, I think we're running a little bit low on time here. I think we might need mm-hmm. to um, do a bit of an abbreviated round. Maybe cut out the lore, mm-hmm. the lore yeah. character, and then just do um, companion and witness each. And then call that yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so let's get our history in. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course, the setup is a little bit different for the heroes Apex too, because we have to basically draw from the theme cards we've drawn before. Yeah. Pull those aside. So from those cards, uh, the one number that came up was thirty five to the Harbinger. Very spooky. Mm. Very spooky. Yeah. Uh, Harbinger, once the candles burned violet for a moment, revealing a hidden horror, or once the sky turned green and purple with shattered Alexander. I can, I can start this one off, okay. I guess. Yeah, so once the sky turned green and purple, like shattered Alexandrite, and... When that happened, those colors also appeared deep down at the bottom of the lake. So it wasn't like on the surface, but you could see it like at the bottom in the water. It was like the first time anyone had ever really seen the bottom. And it didn't really seem like it was that far. People tried to dive in, and some of them didn't come back. Uh, otherwise, cold night, a cold blew through the uh, diamond mouth. And as it blew through, all through lights were purple. As told to by an earthwalker who was viewing Bumble. It lasted for Several minutes, and then the lights went out. Yikes! 
eating a gas leaf as if it was on fire but it's getting spooky yeah uh time for the rounds again um i can pick up companion first i might draw another we'll draw another character card why not because <laughs> it's fun uh let's see here I've got either a spy, because you travel with the hero, but are not what you seem. What are your true royalties like? Or a seven, which is a rival. You and the hero are rivals. What fuels your feud? I like both of these. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna pick the spy. <laughs> so I travel with a hero, but I'm not what I seem. <sighs> okay, uh, and now I have to pick a theme uh, from the ones that we have already picked, which there are only like three of them. So yeah. oh, sorry, I'm just updating. It's all right. I uh, I kind of all right. It's fine. Um, I've got. Oath. And I'll just go with the one I just picked first. Why not? Uh, once old oaths as strong as blood were discarded, um, or once a dangerous promise was kept. I like both sides of this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the theme be once a dangerous promise was kept. And uh, I so when I first met the hero, I was a lowly mercenary and I didn't know much of the world. And then I, as a protege, got to learn so many incredible things from the hero. But as I learned from the hero, I, I, I realized that all of this was just a distraction for me from a promise I had once made to from a promise I had once made to my family to make a name for myself and I discovered that working under the hero I would always be second best and I knew that um, the only way to become better would be to I guess this is starting to sound like a rival um hold on <laughs> So, yeah, okay, so, um, I, and I realized that, uh, the best thing to do for my family was to, um, give them the power and assurances needed for them to be able to live forever, and I discovered while I was traveling, um, that there were beings, um, that whispered in the... Uh, northern woods or uh, there there were beings that uh, not in the northern woods there were beings that um, lived in the towers off in the distance that request that um, had taken people before but it, you know they could perhaps bestow power if beings if people could be taken again and I needed to know how it could be done so that's why I started following the hero in order to learn how to get the power to 
fulfill my promise to those beings in order to get power. Okay, um, I'll, I'll be a witness. I was collecting seashells by the seashore, as I like to do on my vacation. Um, <laughs> and, oh my goodness, uh, the, the water, the, something came out of it. I, I can't, it, it's hard to say what it was. There was a shell attached, but then there was... I've never seen anything like that come out of a shell before. Um, it's, it's like if... It's, it's, it's like if a, a bird and a squid and a dog were all together? I, I, I honestly, I didn't stand there and look at it. I turned and I ran. And I ran. But just don't go to the shore. There's something not right in the water. Thank you for describing that. So now I have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your turn. Companion it up. Yeah. All right. Um, so what I'll do is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see like, how I can transform. I'm already a tree, but I'm sure I can transform more than that. Uh, Sure, why not? Okay, uh, option, I'm childhood friend. Uh, ally. I think I'm going to, I'm going to go for ally, because it seems like it's the right thing right now. Um, you fought at the hillside, what did you accomplish? Uh, and then, theme, let's, I guess this is what's going to happen. Um, so we're reusing the I have. And, Okay, so hunger or disorder. I think maybe, maybe hunger. Which could be kind of tough. Um, one's ravenous needs cold, one's the selfishness of the fuel that's a terrible scarcity. So, becoming a tree was a good move. I don't have a dark miasma around me anymore. I look great with leaves and foliage. But, Amazing. oh my goodness. Being connected to everything around me, it's weird. I'm hungry, but there's something else that has a bigger hunger than I do. And I feel it. One day, the hero was passing under my leaves, and I spoke to... I spoke to them of this hunger that I am sensing coming from coming from the ocean, but also from the ice plane. And I I asked for their hero to take this bundle of seedlings so that I may stand by their side and and face this. Once planted, I sense something coming from the depths that I've never, that I've only heard whispers of. It seems like it was time for 
these tree trunks to walk. And we did. Drawing upon my newfound power, the trees marched to face the hunger that we felt coming from deep below. And the hero and I worked tirelessly until our roots sunk deeply and we were able to start pulling up away at the the beast that whose hunger had awoken. When we got to the um, cavern, I was able to use my roots to pry open the the thief of like the field chamber and the hero was able to slip inside. There was some support I was able to offer, but in the end, <clears throat> the hero was able to do more than I've ever imagined, more than I ever thought could happen. The purple, green, and yellow light flew out of that chamber for day and night. I cannot say what truly happened, but at, after a certain point, I no longer felt the clamoring of hunger coming from below. All right, I'm trying. <laughs> uh, that was really cool. All right, I think I've got it, kind of. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, okay, witness time. I heard that it rained acid in the north one day. That was really weird. Just all of a sudden, there were these really dark, there were these really weird colored clouds, and it, almost as if the water coming from it wanted to like eat something or something or other. Like it just started raining down, burn it, burn through anything it touched. Really weird. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and then we'll do a quick epilogue, and then we're definitely going to have to, I think, sign off. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. All right, biographer time. Um, I can go. Uh, well, you know, I heard that the ally, I mean, the ally was, like, there, like, at the, at the big fight, right? I mean, like, that's, like, a thing. But, I mean, did you hear that the ally actually, like, stole other trees' magic in order to accomplish what it did? Like, it didn't get, like, that, like, the ally didn't get there on her own. Like, she, like... Uh, I mean, she, I, I mean, she was a tree, supposedly, but apparently she, like, somehow sapped other people's powers to get it done, like, and then claimed it as her own. Damn, you know? I heard that the spy was working for the, uh, Earthwalkers and the Diameters and that weird creature from the ocean. I, I hear that they're, like, a triple, <laughs> quadruple spy and... You know, honestly, I haven't seen the hero around lately. Uh, I think that she's not just a spy, but maybe an assassin, too. I, I'm just asking questions. 
you know, just, just putting that out there. I love how our our our, um, our biographers have basically come like conspiracy theory area. Yes. Oh my god! Like, what if? <laughs> what if this happened? Well, what if this totally unrelated thing happened? Just I'm just saying. saying. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, gotta have a little fun with it too. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's do let's do that epilogue. So, what world did the hero make? Um, now we have the chance to say goodbye, and uh, we take turns um, describing the last time we parted from the hero and marking it on the map. The last time I saw the hero, it was after they had done some incredible feats down in the hunger pit and they were resting and I took their stuff. It was super easy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I I knew that uh, the hero had many valuable items on them and I just, I wanted to, I feel like I've spent so much time I've spent so much of my life wanting to and trying to be, you know, recognized by the hero. And I just realized it was like, you know, fuck it. At the very end, I'm going to take the hero's stuff and go off into the woods and gain power of my own. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to draw that, but I'll figure it out. (laughs) Uh, the last time I saw the hero, uh, many years ago, and I've made my, uh, I've permanently established myself on over the, uh, the pit of hunger. Because, you know, it's quite the magical resource, I'm just, I'm just saying it. It's incredible. And I've grown so many, like, tens of feet. In the, in the passing years. And I look across the land. I saw the hero making, making their way across it. Nowadays, things are very, you know, time is very slippery. Um, so, day to day, season to season, there's variations, but I remember the last day I saw the, the hero and the, the light glinted off of their armor in a way that I recognized them. I don't know where they were going, but it, I had a feeling that I wouldn't see them again. Things are different now. Uh, I read so deep and wide, but it's it's just different when you're a tree. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> it's just different when you're a tree. Amazing. Well, there you have it, folks. The story of a hero told in three acts in an epilogue. Whew, that was, that was quite an adventure. Um, 
and really interesting to tell. So thank you so much for for playing this. How did it feel to um, to play it once again? Oh, it's it's really fun. Like it, you kind of like get into a groove, and it's it's always a surprise, and it's exciting to see where the story goes. Um, sure. Some, yeah. Sometimes it's very serious and like fraught. Other times it feels like hearted and and just kind of like playful. So I really. Yeah, I really enjoyed just like feeling that um, momentum and just kind of seeing where it goes and seeing how we could build parallels or come back to different like events. So I, I really had a great time and uh, really yeah. like thank you. Yeah, I I mean, I had a great time, too. Thank you so much for this. It was really entertaining to try to draw on my computer. Um, and when uh, listeners look at their map, they're going to wish that we were graphic designers or that I was <laughs> because uh, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, where, where else should people be looking for you, following you, hunt, you know, fo- like raving about how much they love your game, all that stuff. Thank you so much. Um, I had a great time. Uh, so they can get a campaign sale from uh, Indie Press Revolution. Um, it's an independent uh, game store. So, uh, you'll be able to pick it up there. We have the print and play version, the physical version, so you can like have uh, the full box set. Um, and if if we ever get out of our houses again, it, it will probably be at uh, conventions uh, near you as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, if you're buying digitally, if you can access uh, the entire like either. Um, as a print play or the digital copy from IndiePress Revolution. Yeah, I'm playing off of the digital copy here and it works completely fine. So yeah, go ahead and check that out. Um, And yeah, that's the end of the show. So uh, all of our listeners, get out there, get drawing, get creating, and um, don't forget to check out Laura Simpson and follow Sweet Potato Games for all of their other, or Sweet Potato Press for all of their other amazing games and anything else that they come up with that will also be groundbreaking as well. So um, in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and we will talk to you guys next time here on Gameplay Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Goodbye.